Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. It's been a hell of a year, gentlemen, because we thought the blitz was going away. And then it came back. Brought it back. And we're back and we're good and we're here and we're happy to be at our home with the Austin Radio Network and 1049 The Horn. And this is our last show, so we'll preview Texas Bowl and then we will see. Matt's got the numbers. If uh, if I've got a chance to get back into this thing with the pick when we do some bowl mania. You got six games to make up. Okay. We're gonna do we're gonna pick bowl games and we're gonna break down the Texas Bowl between Texas and Missouri coming up on December twenty seventh. Again, no show Christmas week, so this will be our bowl preview and our last show for the year. So let's not waste any time. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire. No longer the man behind the glass, but the man that sits right across from me. Uh, he is Matt Butler, and Matt uh, Matt came through big with the uh, with the Christmas gifts this year. I got uh, I got man. the complete collection of Beavis and Butthead. Which <laughs> I'm a huge fan of. <laughs> I was just thinking and, of Coach uh, Buzzcut. And Rod B also with the gift exchange. We got uh, uh, tequila, so that's always good. Hey, yeah. man. Uh, tequila always helps. What You've better also for. also got some Stone Cold beer yes. coming your way, the Broken School IPA. Oh, the Stone Cold. I didn't know. Okay, I didn't know. I thought y'all were actually talking about something, some actually type of beer. Y'all were talking about the Stone Cold Steve Austin beer. Yes, yes. the beer okay. that he went yeah. and drank that. With that tagged was damn good. The Texas USC from the game. Segundo Brewing Company. Uh, that's what my Jeff Howe got tagged in. I remember that. Yes. Went viral on that one. So, no. what better for an expectant father than alcohol and Beavis and Buttheads? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gonna be raising that kid You're right. You gotta date it. You gotta date it. Son. That, there's really nothing more Texas or Austin <laughs> than that. Uh, the other member of our team, he has our lockdown corner here on the show, Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All American, 2002 semifinalist. For the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and here with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, in the 40 acres where he earned his degree. If he had a T-ring, he would wear it proudly. But nonetheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. And, Rod, uh, thank you for the tequila first off. Before Anytime, before we get to uh, before we get to the Texas Bowl, we got to talk real quick. Unanimous All Americans have been officially declared by the NCAA. Texas had two this year: Michael Dixon, which no surprise there, as the top punter in the country, and Deshaun Elliott makes unanimous All American. Yeah. So Good. Rod, I know everybody went to Rod B though, because everybody knows Rod B is the uh, kind of the purveyor of DBU with the DBU rankings. I consider myself to be an historian of DBU and. You know, there's a lot of guys in that list that could, you know, Tom Landry is a, a proud member yeah. of DBU, the late Tom Landry. Nate Boyer, an American Boyer. Patriot and a fine right. hero, is a, mer- a member of DBU. But I pose the question, you know, unanimous All-American, there's only been a handful of guys on the 40 that have done that. Johnny Johnson did it twice. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry Gray did it. Quentin Jammer did it. Uh, and Michael Huff. And Deshaun Elliott is the fifth. Did Earl so, Thomas do it? Earl Thomas was not a unanimous All-American. Wow. So Eric Berry probably can blame crazy. for that one. That's crazy. That just brought in the question, where does Deshaun Elliott rank? Where does that rank him? It's only one year, right? But yeah. that one year's got to count for something. Um, I would put him – I think I would put him – I think I had him like seventh or eighth. He makes the top ten. Somebody was like, oh, he shouldn't crack the top ten. Like, you guys are crazy. Unanimous All-American. Yeah. Of course he cracks the top ten. And you can't apply the same logic that you did back in the day with Jerry Gray and Johnny Johnson because now if you're really good, you're supposed to leave after three years. You ain't supposed to be here for that long. You know what I mean? It's like how Saturday Night Live used to be when it was Eddie Murphy and mm-hmm. uh, Chris Rock and really talented people. They weren't on there long because they weren't supposed mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. Now, hell, guys stay on there for like 15, 20 years. They got Keenan, whatever, he be on there forever. Yeah, he ain't that talented. <laughs> That's why that he's there the forever. kid from Nickelodeon yeah. when I grew <laughs> exactly. up. Um, but, so my point is, like, I think that is there are new rules that apply. He definitely makes it. And listen, he started games before this year. It's not like he never cracked the starting lineup at all no. before this season. So it's not that much of a flash in the pan. Also, you got to give him props for this. 
He's the one that said they no longer could use the term DBU. They couldn't use the monikers. They didn't live up to it. They didn't play up to that standard. And he is the one that led by example to bring it back where people were proud and Longhorn fans felt, you know, uh, you know, at least some pride in saying they're DBU. Hell, it's on the UT Texas Twitter site. It says DBU on it, I believe. So mm-hmm. he's part of that. Like, he is responsible for bringing back the latest, uh, you know, rendition, the reinvention of DBU. That's the Sean Elliott. Yeah, you know I mean? And you got to think about it in the abstract as you are instead of just looking at it strictly as a laundry list of accomplishments and then, like you said, take into account the air you play in because it's not as if you discredit Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas was only here for a couple years, you know, yeah. like just something that comes with the modern territory that he exactly. leaves early. But that one year, that comet was about as good as almost any comet, which maybe not put you in the Thorpe territory, but if you're definitely in that top 10 territory where you're in definitely. that group. Of all-time elites. Yeah, no question. So we will uh, debate for eternity where Deshaun Elliott ranks in the DBU rankings. And who knows, maybe some of these young cats of Texas will sign this week to the Jalen Greens and the B.J. Fosters and the DeMarvion Overstones of the world. Maybe someday they'll get into that conversation. I do want to point out, on this podcast, you will not hear any talk about the early signing period or National Signing Day on Wednesday because, number one, a lot of that stuff's going to be dated by the time this podcast comes out. Number two... We're not covering recruiting. That is our sister podcast. No interviews, please. That is EJ Holland and Mike Roach. They do a tremendous job covering recruiting. So no, get to, no interviews, please. It's at No Interviews Pod on Twitter. You can throw it in your Google machine, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the good stuff. Nice. So uh, that's where you can get all your recruiting information. All right, gentlemen, let's go ahead and talk about Texas and Missouri in the Texas Bowl. Matt, what's the line on this game as of this morning? Uh, here, three. I have it up right I thought Texas here. was a three-point underdog last time I looked. Yep, and I have it but right in front of me. So let's see. It is now at two and a half. Two yeah, and a half. Missouri, so two and a half. Zoo, two and a half. I moved right. a little bit. So, yeah, so what happened at 10.52 on <laughs> December 15th? That's when it moved. So this game gentlemen is interesting uh i've heard some people predicting that and by some people you know my colleagues in the media say this could be similar to the arkansas game in 2014 where texas might be walking into an ambush i don't see that because i trust tom herman in this and this staff to have a team better prepared in hindsight now than i trusted charlie strong and that staff to have a team prepared to play in a bowl game i also think that Arkansas offense, Rod, you know this. I mean, that Brett Bielema offense where it's, you know, d- multiple tight ends and multiple backs mm-hmm. and they want to smash you in the mouth. It's hard to replicate that with your scout teams. You, you don't, don't see that in the Big 12 You don't a lot. see that. K-State may be the closest thing to it, you know what I mean? But this kind of air raid light version, Josh Heupel's got air raid roots. Mike Leach recruited him to Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and we know Josh Heupel's a spread guy. The Texas has seen this offense. Now, granted, the pieces on defense are going to be different, but at least this is something that conceptually Texas has seen before. And you faced Oklahoma State, a team that loves to throw the ball down the field. Missouri's one of the best teams in the country statistically mm-hmm. at going down the field. So, Rod, in terms of a, a, just stylistically – this should be a game that Texas shouldn't be shell-shocked by in terms of what they see. Yeah, I agree with you. And they're, they're accustomed to seeing uh, the best quarterbacks in the country. They've been cursed this year, all right, to have kind of a, you know, kind of a, a, one of the most difficult quarterback uh, schedules you can imagine. They had to play Sam Darnold. Then, of course, in the Big 12 with Baker Mayfield and Mason Rudolph. Uh, they knocked Will Greer out of the game, but he's still one of the better quarterbacks in the country. You still have to prepare for him um, that week. And the same thing with Drew Locke for Missouri. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Uh, you could argue he's the best quarterback in the SEC. You can make that argument. That's how good he's been. So I'm with you on that. I, I actually trust Todd Orlando's blueprint because I've seen it executed. I know exactly what he's trying to do. As you pointed out, the biggest challenge for Todd Orlando, and this is going to be the story of this game, um, is how does Todd Orlando contain and corral Drew Locke? How does he neutralize Drew Locke? And he's, he has he has a good, good blueprint for doing that, but the personnel is going to be a little bit different. That's going to be the challenge for Todd Orlando. Now we're going to see how much of that Todd Orlando genius all right, uh, that really is if it's going to be on display. And it's it's got to be on display for Texas to win that game. And here's the personnel difference. Everybody knows this. You go back to that Oklahoma State game. That was the thing about this, Rod. That was the first game where we saw the lightning package, quote-unquote the lightning yeah. package, getting Brecken Hager on the field at end, moving Gary Johnson in to get him in the game at More Rover, speed. move Malik Jefferson to that Mac linebacker spot. Which it was a package, but that became their base look. That three-two-six dime personnel mm-hmm. that became their base defense. The difference with the Oklahoma State game and now is you don't have Holton Hill, 
who had a great game against Oklahoma State. Yep. And you don't have Deshaun Elliott in the middle of the field. And when you look at what Texas is doing to replace those guys, the corners are going to have to hold on for dear life. The good thing about Texas at the corner position right now is Chris Boyd, as the season has gone on, has played much more consistently. He's played his best football and at the end of the year. And he's coming off a, tech, a game against Texas Tech where, I don't even know if we talked about this, Pro Football Focus graded him as the top defensive player in the country that week. Yeah, He had almost yeah. a perfect grade. It was 98.6 on a 100-point scale. Yeah. Can't, can't do much better yeah, than he's that. He's playing his best football at the end of the year, which is what you need. When you're losing Holton Hill, that's going to be big. Now you know you've got a guy who's a liability right now on the other corner, Devontae Davis, who we've seen him. We saw him against West Virginia show so kind of some flashes of that confidence coming back. But then we saw against Texas Tech, we were reminded this is, Devont- pick on him. this is why Devontae Davis hadn't been playing all year. Right. If you're if you're gonna pick on one of one corner or the other right now, you know who you're gonna pick on. Exactly. Yeah. And it's safety kind of the the saving grace with with your depth chart being the way it is, at least you get PJ Locke back. And P.J. Locke hasn't played very well this year. If you look at pro football focus, he's the second lowest graded defender on the entire roster. Only Anthony Wheeler yeah. was graded out worse this year than P.J. Locke. But at least with P.J. Locke, you've got a guy, high football IQ guy, he's at least played some football. He at least has reps under his belt. So you're going to go into this game, Rod, with your secondary being Chris Boyd and Devontae Davis at the corners. You're going to have Brandon Jones and P.J. Locke at safety with Antoine Davis in the nickel. And then some combination of John Bonney and Jason Hall coming in when you bring in your dying person. I think you're hoping because you're obviously not as talented without Houghton Hill, Deshaun Elliott, your top two players in that secondary. And, you know, we don't even know the status of Malik. He's got the turf toe, whatever. He's, what is he dealing with? Is as of a, right now, it's a, a first-degree first toe, toe sprain. You know what I mean? So, yes. and that's, that's, you know, I think we all agree that Malik, that's a good chance that he decides to leave. Even if he's going mm-hmm. to play in a bowl game, right. he probably decides to leave. You know how much do you want to risk damaging your value in the draft him, because you're may, playing with a turf toe already, and you want to go in the game and play with a turf toe? Then you actually may be more of a liability; it can be exploited, and that's bad on film. I don't know. I don't know if we see Malik Jefferson. He may be with the team, but I don't know if you see him in that bowl game. Yeah, I don't know and I think if you do see him in that bowl game, it's only because he hears that there's a lot of questions and he feels that he wants to show he's healthy. That would be the only situation that I could see him actually using the bowl game to help his status or decide his yeah, status. That's what but the combine that's, is for. Exactly, <laughs> to get healthy You know there. what I mean? Like, I'm healthy, guys. Look at me, run me. But I think that's me, sort of you know why I mean? I've seen, because instead of how a few weeks ago, whenever we were wondering, uh, will, will, we, will he announce? What's up? Why isn't he practicing? I think it's just left that door open in case he needs to use it as a tool that, even though I don't expect that to necessarily be the case, that would be the only other situation that I would see him out there and it actually maybe help him. Yeah, one thing about the secondary that I think maybe they're saving grace. Hopefully it's the case. It's not usually the case, but it can be. Uh, they're going to be less talented, but at least they'll have a lot of experience. I mean, you got you got Jason Hall in there now. You got Antoine Davis going to be thrown in there. Mm-hmm. P.J. Locke, Devontae Davis, Chris Boyd. I mean, hell, between those guys, your, your secondary may be as experienced as it's been in, I don't know, four or five years. <laughs> with all those. And it's crazy how that works out because all those, those guys. Those are good are, bowl game guys. Yeah, guys exactly. like Davis, like that's a Super Jason Bowl Jason Hall. You know what yeah, I mean? Those, those guys have been time. in the system now for a long time. Now this system has changed a couple of times. But, you know, veteran experience, it, they shouldn't be uh, awed by the bowl game experience, even though a lot of them have never been in the bowl. They shouldn't be awed by it. The moment shouldn't be too big for them. You know yep. what I mean? And then you bring up somebody like Locke and say Locke, you know, this year's had his struggles, but there still has to be a credit given to have the opportunity to be on the field to then be graded poorly. The fact that he is actually good enough to get on the field, you have to actually acknowledge that, that some players can just not be good and not even get on. If they were to be on, it'd be much worse grade. So that's where you always have to gauge and wonder if it really is worth putting that backup in because this guy, blah, 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 sucks. It's like, yes, but if he's better than your replacement and is an experience, it actually is something that can help tie that defense together, even if he necessarily isn't making plays, just be something that isn't that gaping hole that it compromises the integrity of the defense. Sorry, guys, I was making some notes. Um, So when you look at this Texas defense against the Missouri offense, like we said, stylistically it's going to be something they've seen. The personnel is different. But, Rod, I just really worry about a, a team that, 
is in a rhythm like Missouri is. Yeah. You know, and you can you can talk about the fact that, you know, they played SEC teams where they were on the, hey, let's get so-and-so's head coach fired this week. Like, they beat Florida, Jim McElwain gets fired. They beat Tennessee, Butch Jones gets fired. Yeah. They beat Arkansas, Brett Bielema gets fired. So you can say, well, did they maybe they didn't beat very good teams. Right, but I'm a firm believer in, you know, football being a game where – consistency matters whether you're losing consistently or you're winning consistently once you get into a rhythm once you kind of get something once you start believing in yourself yeah. one way or the other it things can, can snowball man this is a game yep. where things snowball real quick and i think missouri with the way that's where i see the comparison to arkansas three years ago where arkansas was playing really good football at the end of the year we've seen missouri put up a lot of points they've been they've been really successful i was i just said they being like i'm from canada they being really they being. uh They've been really good when it comes to putting up points and, yeah. and, and making SEC defenses look foolish. So that's what really concerns me. So my question to you, Rod, is this. We've seen Todd Orlando bring some blitzes with this dime package, with this lightning mm-hmm. package. Does he really have to dig into the bag of tricks knowing that you're vulnerable on the back end regardless? Do you really just have to throw the kitchen sink at Drew Locke and see what the kid can handle? And that being said, Maybe you don't have Malik Jefferson in this game, whatever. Does Jason Hall and his versatility, does Jason Hall become the guy that maybe you build some kind of a game plan around and say, this guy as kind of your dime, your dime linebacker, your your nickel safety, whatever position you want to label him as. Yeah. With the ability Jason Hall has as a blitzer, do, does he now become the key piece and we can move things around, we don't have to switch personnel, and this is the guy that we're going to send from different angles? Well, I mean, we still know that Tyler Leno's going to try to stop the run. So either True. way, even if he comes out in what is now their base personnel, that dime package, he's going to stop the run. So, you know, I agree with you. I think Jason Hall has to play a big role then because he is the hybrid guy. He makes out uh, – basically makes you – I would say versatile enough defensively where you can play the run and still be stout against the run, especially an air raid run game like you have with uh, Missouri. It's not it's not a power running game with Missouri, but they do like to utilize play-action pass too, so they have to establish the run to be able to do that. I think Tyler Lando is going to sell out to stop the run initially, and then I think you'll start to see – him try to get after Drew Locke. I, I, listen, Todd Orlando, he likes to blitz regardless. I don't mean, who the quarterback is. Hell, after he started installing that dime package uh, against Oklahoma State, I mean, he came after Baker Mayfield. He comes after everybody. Right. Yeah. So he'll come after Drew Locke. And I think Drew Locke, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think he has really, you know, threat really to run either. He's no. going to come more like a Mason Rudolph, if you will. Yeah. And when you mm. look at the numbers with this team, because Missouri so good, if you look at just overall mm. sack rate, if you look at uh, adjusted sack rate fourth in the nation and then Standard down stack rate, third in the nation. Now, passing downs down around 26, but that doesn't always go straight to the offensive line because if a quarterback understands what he's seeing and gets rid of the ball early, that then can lower your sack rate. So a smart quarterback like him can actually limit that because he can identify, and that's where something like Orlando's system can really wreak havoc. If you aren't used to seeing it and you don't know where it's coming from, that's going to be the big part about trying to get to him because if you can confuse him, get a few things, because obviously their offensive line against SEC rates in the top three of four in three of the four categories. Now, top 25 across the board in sack rate, so they're real good. A lot of that goes to lock, but if you can confuse him, get that pressure there, maybe with some of those exotic blitzes, that's how you can end up making it work because overall, when you look at their offense, it's an efficient offense, and they move the ball, and they're going to go up and down, so you're going to have to do something to knock that off of their rhythm. Yeah, I agree with you, but blitzing is a risk-reward, you know. Oh, and uh, that's what's so scary about this team. Yeah, proposition, so... You don't, you're less talented on the back end, so if you bust one of those coverages, you know yep. what I mean, and somebody's not where they're supposed to be and you're blitzing and you're That's changing up paid the, the big bucks. Yeah, the pre-snap uh, shell look and all that, you know, without Holden Hill, without Deshaun Elliott, guys can get in bad position. Without Malik Jefferson, potentially, guys out of position could end up being touchdowns. Yep. Yeah. Big chunk yardage plays. You know That's what I mean? the thing. So do you want to yeah. play conservative because you're less talented and play it more straight up, or do you want to go, oh, we're going all in, throw the kitchen sink at them, and potentially give up some of those big plays. That'll be just seeing how those lines react to one another early on in the game may dictate that going forward. That's a good point. Yeah, if you get a good push up front without blitzing, then you'll know. But right. if you don't, then you gotta cut, you gotta bring something. Yeah. Can't yeah. sit back and just let them eat your lives. Mm-hmm. So then it goes back, Rod, to your pick for the defensive MVP, maybe the team MVP this year, Puna Ford. It's Puna, Puna, Puna Ford's last game. Puna Ford's gotta be gotta everything push. he's been 
really since the Maryland game. Mm-hmm. That's really kind of the one blip on his radar. And I know I came in here after the Maryland game and said Puna Ford and Chris Nelson, now they're just guys. I haven't seen the improvement. Well, we saw Puna Ford make me look like an idiot, and he picked improvement. it up and yeah. played really, really good football yeah, over no. the last 11 games. That's what you've got to You've got to get that kind of performance from Puna Ford. He's gonna be have to, I think he's going to have to be even – he'll have to have his best game of the season. Honestly, mm-hmm. I yeah. think it's one of those. Well, because he doesn't have a supporting cast around right. him now. True, very It'd be true. different yes. than when yes. you had those guys on the back end who could take advantage of those inches that he's creating hmm. by, you know, by blowing up the pocket or imploding the pocket, and then another guy's able to get free or Malik's able to get there on a, a a blitz or Deshaun Elliott. He can make a play because the quarterback he was rushed or he had to throw it to the left a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, all those little things matter. And when you're not that talented on the back end, you're gonna miss some of those opportunities. Or we'll learn if say Puna is able to get those things and now we have somebody filling in a no-name that's bringing back pick sixes, then they might show that the that the D-line, though, can be the epicenter and the reason for it. It's like those are the big questions that always intrigue me going into a game to see, well, we saw the outcome and we think we know how the result got there, but was the result the work of the DB, the D-line, them working together? Now when you take one piece out, you might learn more about the other piece. That's true. That's a good point. So – Let's go real quick to uh, the Texas offense against the Missouri defense, and and you know I know we the the more fun thing is to talk about the Texas defense against the Missouri offense. Yeah, uh, I'll say this though, in kind of closing that side of the ball, this is a big game for Drew Locke because Drew Locke, I don't think he's said anything about declaring early and leaving for the draft. But oh, this, really? This could be a deal where. Rod, if he has a huge game against a defense that statistically has been one of the better defenses in the country, this could be a showcase game for Drew Locke. Because I I think Missouri was kind of out of sight, out of mind. They were playing bad SEC teams. Nobody was really paying attention. But this game, it's a primetime game on ESPN. It's the only show in town. There's going to be a lot of eyes on him. So this is a showcase game for him to to maybe heard where his NFL stock is. I haven't heard it, but that's a good point, man. It's already supposed to be a quarterback-heavy draft. That would add another big name to the mix. That also may be why we haven't heard his name in the mix yet. But the guy that has made his intentions known for Missouri about his NFL future is Terry Beckner Jr. He's coming back next year. He's going to be probably on a lot of preseason All-America teams. Had a really good year for them up front. That's where it starts, and that's we can talk about quarterbacks. We can talk about wide receivers still don't know what they're doing on scramble drill. You're down to one tight end. But Rod, the bottom line for me is it's going to be a tall order for Texas to handle this Missouri defensive line. A Missouri defensive line, by the way, coached by Brick Haley, who recruited some of these guys oh, to nice. the 40 Acres and nice coached these guys for a few years. So – Help me understand or see or realize, Rod, why this is going to be anything other than just hope and pray that Texas offensive line shows up and plays above their heads. Uh, you'll get Elijah Rodriguez back, right? True, yes. I'm assuming, yes, right? he is back. Um, and Patrick Vahe you'll get back on the line, right? A healthy Patrick Vahe pa- as Patrick well. Vahe will be healthy, So yes. you're adding some pieces to the mix on the offensive line um, now. Yeah, the, obviously you losing your best offensive player and your best offensive lineman is going to hurt. But I, I always said this offense, they just got to find a way to, to 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 do the most rudimentary thing that they can be successful with. Like, and and I know they can break out all the tricks and everything, but I'm with you. All that is going to disintegrate if the offensive line it, it doesn't play at a competent level. So I think you start with what gives offensive linemen confidence. It's if they can be physical and they can win at the point of attack and reset the line of scrimmage. So you got to run the ball. You got to run the ball. You know what I mean? If you want to protect your quarterbacks uh, from, you know, you know, the pressure and them getting hit and we still don't know who's going to play quarterback yet. I think it's going to be Sam Ellinger, but we'll see. Um, I think you got to run the ball. And with Sam Ellinger in there, it gives you uh, more reason to run the ball. And he has a skill set more conducive to help the running game. Yeah. So I think I, I think you just start. We know the the stat about you know they run the ball at least forty times and they're undefeated when they do. Just run the football. Start there, and if you start there, you're a punter who's a unanimous All American and the greatest punter in the history of Texas football. Long ball Dixon, deep ball sky balls, whatever you want to call them. He will help you win field position. And Todd Orlando, who has been overseeing the you know, I would think the the strongest phase of your team, that's the identity of this team, is their defense. That's the one phase where they're one of the best and most recognized in the country. Let them go win the game and make plays for you. On offense, just don't lose it. 
You know what I mean? So that's why I said just run the ball. You got to establish the run. And they'll come out and they'll pass it and have success early. And people will be like, hey, that's the way they got to do it. I think you still got to try to run the ball. Don't abandon a run at any time during this game. Because I think that could be dangerous for that Texas offense. Yeah, you know what I mean. I don't. I, they're 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 not equipped enough. They're not mature enough or responsible enough with the football to just go out there and abandon the running game. I hear exactly what you're saying, Rod, and I agree with you 100. percent But how many games have we talked about? That's what the offense needs to do, and how many games has that not been done? Uh, this Very is true. true. They didn't do it versus Tech. Um, yeah, that was Tech, and Mar- Tech and Maryland were the two games where you're like, look, you're just going to need to keep kind of chipping away, to keep chopping wood. Eventually the dam's going to break. Yeah. And they never did. And they threw it 50-plus times in both those games, and both those games were frustrating losses. Yeah. At least one thing to their credit, after the Maryland game, we did see it almost as if they used that game. We're like, wow, we need to wake up, and this team really needs to figure out what we do well. And they improved from that point now, got to the end of the year, and laid another egg. So let's see if they learn from their mistakes, as it seemed like they did at the beginning of the year for most of the year. And to your point right about the run, looking at Missouri's run defense right now, overall their rush success rate defense that's just staying on schedule against the run only 82nd not very good but you go. if you look at a rushing iso ppp defense that's explosivity 122nd in the nation so you look at this team yards. yeah chunk yards mm-hmm. and when you look at per down production it's going to be really big because you said you know got to come out and run and continue to run that would indicate that you're going to come out and run on first down missouri overall First downs when they're most effective, they're 37th in the nation on second down, 88th, third down, 127th. So the deeper you get in, this team deteriorates and gives up that big play. So it looks as if it doesn't matter if it's third and long, third and short. If it's a passing rush uh, defense, they're 115th versus explosivity. And in rush defense, 122nd. And on third down defense, 127th. So if there are any areas, it's big plays and it's on third down. So risk, and it's a perfect setup for a bowl game. Bowl games is when you throw out the kitchen sink, all that different cliches, and just trick play galore and everything that you've worked on because you have three weeks for one game. So the idea that you can always bust one against Missouri should be on the mind that should be using that run to set up the play actions, the trick plays, and things like that. So it's a good setup if you're going to be able to find a way to beat a team that maybe is overall more talented than you and win more downs than you, which is odd because that's sort of how Texas has been being beat throughout the year that Texas wins the amount of downs but gives up the big play to end up having it hurt mm. them. It looks like Missouri's sort of a carbon copy of that out of the SEC defensively. Nice. Trick plays are good. Let's just hope we don't see the wide receiver reverse pass uh, on like third and goal. Uh, yeah, on third goal, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hope you have a different option. Yeah. <laughs> don't get creative there. Yeah. Stick to yeah. the basics. Uh, Missouri, to me, Matt, you just ran down the numbers and great job there. And and just kind of looking at a rod and seeing a little bit of Missouri this year, to me, defensively, they're just a more talented version of Texas Tech. Like, the numbers are pretty similar. And, I, again, I think the philosophy that we talked about against Texas Tech, we're repeating ourselves for this game. Hmm. You might not have success right away running the football, but you can't. I don't care, I don't care where your defense is ranked, what the analytics say. If you turn it into a throw game where you're throwing the ball 50-plus times, and you're constantly putting yourself behind the chains. It's going to be a long day trying to move the football. They throw the football better than you, and you so you got you got to avoid the shootout. And now you lost your two best players in your secondary, as we've been pointing out. And you still may not have Malik Jefferson. You actually have to protect your defense to a certain extent. Yes. They still can go out there and help you win the game, but you cannot be irresponsible. You can't have that play play calling malpractice essentially, where you abandon the running game. The 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 reps of the running game in the first quarter are body blows that will be advantageous to you. Now benefit you in the fourth quarter. That's what I don't think Tim Beck understands. Like that's I know it it didn't mm-hmm. work out there, but that's going to set up something later on. You got to stick with it, and I agree with you. And Matt just brought up all the stats. Man, you can run on this team, and yeah. you can get big chunk yardage plays on this team. And you have two explosive running backs who have a quick first step and then get to the second level. Those youngsters, this should be able to help them. My concern is that you don't have the the the, the secondary blocker element with your tight ends now and your H-back. You lost Chris Warren. You know, Cade Brewer is out. 
Um, I mean, you only got one tight end. Yeah, Kendall Moore. Moore. Kendall that's Moore, that's it. Kellen. That, that, I know Kellen Moore. I we wish Kellen we had Moore, Kellen no. Moore right yeah, now. Now, that would be funny. Kellen <laughs> <and> Kendall. <laughs> Kellen Moore as a tight end would be funny. Um, but, yeah, that worries <laughs> me <laughs> with a makeshift offensive line that you don't really have another tight end to supplement your run blocking. Like, it, it could be a long day. I don't know how they're going to do that. Do you run more two-back sets? Like, do you put Lil' Jordan Humphrey in there as kind of a – a, a split uh, tight end slash funk H back. I don't move know stuff around to just yeah. get guys out of the area. If you gotta that's do something, case, you know, you gotta do something. You got you gotta, you gotta be inventive. You got three weeks to figure it out. So I'm hoping that that's something that they've been working on in the lab on. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Rod, I just want to. I, I ran down because Tom Herman came out uh, with his most recent availability and said he expects he plans on all of his assistant coaches being back next year. Yeah, I saw that. So do with that what you will, everybody. If you want to, you know. Drink yourself into a stupor, or, <laughs> you know, break something around the house, whatever. Um, but we'll we'll see what happens after the bowl game. But uh, I wrote this talking about you know Tim Beck, uh, just kind of why he's maligned and and why it hasn't lined up philosophically. So I just want to run this down to you. Um, then there's Tim Beck, the program's maligned offensive coordinator. Beck's play calling came under fire as Longhorns posted a five and zero record when running the ball at least forty times and a one and five mark when failing to hit that. Uh, with the former, uh, the former fitting more of what Herman came to Texas, wanting the offensive culture to revolve around. He wanted to be a physical running team. A knock on Beck prior to his arrival in Austin was a propensity to throw the football when the chips were down. There was data through the 12 game regular season to back up that claim, including a 38 7 win over Baylor on October 28th, being the only game the Longhorns won where they threw the ball mm. more than they ran it. Yeah. And Shane Bouchelle ran it, thir- had a long threw, it uh, yeah. threw it 36 times, ran it 35 times. Yeah. There were also game. losses to Maryland, 53 pass attempts, and Texas Tech, 51 pass attempts, where Tech seemed to unnecessarily abandon the run. So. Again, I'll say it again at the risk of repeating myself. We have been here before knowing exactly what this offense. Rod, you combine Tom Herman's words with what, and we're not, you know, like great X's and O's guys. We're not employed by teams. This is, to me, common sense stuff. Uh, Well, that's why I say Tom Herman's got some, you know, he's got some responsibility here. Some of this blame lies with him. And I know we talk about Tim Beck and everybody gets on Tim Beck. Listen, Tim Beck doesn't make any of those decisions without Tom Herman signing off on him and Tom Herman agreeing to do that. So when they abandon the run, they take it out in the backyard, shoot it, and bury it. A lot of that is Tom Herman. You know, he's got a shovel in his damn hand. Mm-hmm. He's throwing, he's putting dirt on oh, that. Oh, yeah, if you're with the person you know that I mean? shoots somebody, you go down for murder, <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah, he's complicit in this, too. So let's right. not let's not act like Tom Herman is shocked like all of us and like, Tim right. Beck, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, no, it's none of that going right. on. No, I, I yeah. agree with you guys. It's whether Tim Beck's He back. loves stats, so that stat that you just brought up the, the most simplistic rudimentary stat you run it 40 mm-hmm. or more times you're undefeated like how, somebody thrown that up the ladder to tom herman that hey man you know what we got to find a way to just run the ball we just got to find a way to keep running the damn ball like mm-hmm. there you go if they it, didn't know before tech i bet they know it now if yeah. we guys if we see a similar game and i know tom herman said he expects all his guys to be back if we see a similar game to maryland and texas tech where you don't really try to run the ball, even if it could be there. You don't really make an effort. You abandon it. You just turn it into a throw game, and you're going to, like, the 2010 Greg Davis playbook of running all these routes on third downs that are, like, two, three yards short of the marker. If that happens, Rod, he's got to make a change, right? Something's got to change offensively. Man, I, yeah, I, it, if, honestly, if this is a repeat of the Texas Tech game, even just for – because we all know Tom Herman's got to fix things himself with this offense because it's his offense. Yeah. But at least for aesthetics, he's got to change something, right, if it's a repeat? Well, for I, us, I don't think he'd do it for aesthetics. I think yeah. he would just change if he didn't. I don't. No, I'm saying like – You're talking about next year if it's yeah, the same I'm thing. I'm saying like just, just for if the fact – It's fa- a Sean Watson thing. Right, just situation. for the fact of, but man, it was just, just bad. Get rid and, of Beck? It was bad, and you got to do. You just got to change something. You got to change something. You got to change something. If when something, you're that bad, and it, it's a repeat. At Texas, it's a, he would be forced to. It's yeah, it's a repeated pattern. You got to change something. Because at Texas, like I said, offense seems to be what really um, gets fans irate or embarrassed when teams can't function offensively. You have a bad defense. Seems like fans kind of give you a pass if you're if you're scoring points. If you're losing in shootouts, they give you a little bit of a pass. Hell, ask Cliff Kingsbury. You're gonna survive for a while without defense. He's just starting to be like, hey. 
we got to start paying our defensive coordinators around here, man. You know what I mean? Because now people are like, hey, we got to get Cliffy out here. So I think that for Tom Herman, who's known as an offensive guy, I think his pride, and we know he's got a lot of hubris. I mean, that guy's got a ton of pride. I think it'll kick in soon, and he'll be like, you know what? We, I got to do sorry, – sorry, Tim. Like, my loyalty to you out the door, brother. I got to go find the best offensive mind out on the market today or whatever the best money can buy, which is – Basically, what's going to happen? They, if if Tim Beck is gone, they're going to have to they're going to have to pay the offensive coordinator one point five million or close to two million dollars to go get the best one money can buy because you can't afford to make another mistake after that. Yeah. Tim Beck was your you know that was your mulligan, that was your one. Ah, he just figuring it out. Now the next one, you better you better nail so, it. You know so so I mean? basically, what you're saying is if this goes bad and he's got to make a change at OC. You, Tom Herman has effectively lost the right to. Well, I think this guy is really good because we line up philosophically. Yeah, you can't. No, do that. you just you've got to go out there and spend money, go get the proven commodity. Because the negativity from the fans is already going to start when you go out and get some young up and coming guy. Like, who is that guy? That guy ain't done nothing. You've you got to do you know what I mean? the guy yeah. spending the money. Want to do at that point because you're going to make him one of the highest paid assistants in the country. Right. We're assuming because Todd Orlando. Todd Orlando's getting a raise too, by the way. He should. He's got to. Yeah. I think everybody. You know what? That'd be your easiest pitch when you walk in there with those donors and boosters. Hey guys, we we should get a Todd Orlando a raise. Yeah, we agree. Yeah, yeah. and we should. <laughs> we and agree. Give him a raise, and we should take it out of Tim Beck's check. <laughs> yeah, and that makes we just gotta reallocate funds. Tim Beck money <laughs> to uh, Todd a little Orlando. extra motivation. Yeah. Take away a exactly. little bit there. Yes, that's the way you do and it. And that's where I think, though, like when you look at this mm-hmm. and just looking overall at the picture of Herman and what his mission is here long term. I really think that if, say, you were to go and make that change and he had to go out and find this next great offensive mind, it would be really against sort of what he's doing there now because it would be admitting that he, in his mistake that he's married to, I don't think it's going to happen because he's talked about this being a you know vision between him and Beck offensively that it is their baby. It's not mm. Beck's baby. That's an and ugly baby. I don't, yes. It's an ugly baby. And <laughs> I'm just saying that from where we're looking at that, it would then mean that Herman would be in his first year, this young into his career, delegating those duties to somebody that leading maybe is a better offensive mind than him. And at this point, I don't see that happening. Now, I also agree about all the stuff about Beck, and it's frustrating too. But if we're looking at how this plan is going to be deployed and the idea of long-term and continuity and then that he's an offensive guy and he's married to this man now, he always was married to Major. And maybe this new girlfriend wasn't the girlfriend that he thought it would be and he needs to find another girlfriend to marry that offense with. And that could happen too. But just looking overall at those two, it surprised me if that would go because it would then sort of be Tom Herman conceding that, no, what I thought was working maybe isn't what we need to do. And I that would... Admit some fault that I don't yeah. think he's ready to do. Well, I say he's got a lot of pride. Pride before the fall, though. Yep, and rightfully so, a lot of pride, too. Yeah. Yeah, I – look, all I know is if we see another game like Texas Tech where – where Fans, Rod, you know, fans were, I think, patient on – patient with Charlie Strong because I think people knew with the purge and everything and, and people mm. were fed up with football at the end of the Mac Brown regime that – Okay, let's give this guy some time. And then Charlie just, you know, started losing games that yeah. you shouldn't lose and losing them by point margins, which are unacceptable. And, uh, <laughs> so you know, now- the, that patience got very thin very quick after that. But Herman's with Tom Herman, consequences man, of that action. Man, it just seems like. Fans aren't willing to give Tom Herman the benefit of the doubt there. True, yeah. but I think that's it just fans like, don't give benefit of doubt across. It isn't a Longhorn problem. This is just fans. I don't know, man. This it, is fandom just, thing, man. If you, know? you compare it to like Charlie's first year or Charlie's first 18 months or whatever, it seemed like people were more patient. Like People are just mm-hmm. mad. And, Rod, you mentioned you know, the, the hubris and the way Tom Herman handles the media and the way he presents himself. I think that that rubs people the wrong way, and I'm not saying look that's something. That if you're winning games, nobody's gonna care. Yeah, nobody yeah. But when we talked about this, when you win games, nobody cares. When you lose, everybody wants to nitpick everything. Mm-hmm. But man, it just seems like this fan base isn't willing to ride for Tom Herman in a, in a multi-year rebuild, which I think we all know at this point. That's what you're looking at. You yeah. It just so that's a schism right there. If that's where what we're looking at, yet the fans won't accept it, we're gonna be stuck in this type of conversation for a long time. Well, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I think I think as a society, we're just losing patience more. And exactly, more I think it's just, yeah. that's just the way it is, especially I think in the sports the, realm. The fans maybe were more patient. Um, yeah, yeah, but I, I I think a part of it is, and you're right. Listen, Tom Herman, I think set the and whether he did it 
intentionally or not, I don't think he did intentionally because I, I remember him trying to kind of throw water on the flames of expectations yes. um, that are now kind of uh, burning his seat a little bit or making it hot. I, I think that um, the expectations were high. We all had high expectations. Yeah, because Charlie said we aren't winning championship. Herman yeah. first and, day said we're and, competing for and, a championship. Exactly, and even Charlie said, hey, man, the, the cake is baked, man. I yep. left it there. You got to frost, <laughs> put the frosting on it, Tom. Yeah, it's man. all good. You know what I mean? And I think... I think subconsciously the, the the expectations started rising. We remember what Tom Herman did his first year at U of H, and everybody started talking about this talent that was on the forty mm-hmm. acres. And you know, and the truth is, Tom, this is Tom Herman's fault because if you beat the two teams you were supposed to beat, yeah, which is Maryland and Texas Tech, right now, you are what eight and four, yeah, getting ready to go to nine wins, and this this season is considered an over overwhelming success. Closest losses to OU, USC, Oklahoma State, and loss uh, at TCU by TCU, 17. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. But, you know what I mean? Like, Considering the losses. Because you literally what, yeah. exceeded expectation in those 10, but when you bookend them with crap, you exactly. remember crap. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing, too. You brought in them being bookended, the fact that you you won, you saw you, you opened the season with a disappointing loss and closed with a disappointing loss in a very similar fashion, as you talked about, by abandoning the run. Some mm-hmm. of the same issues that existed in that first game existed in that last game. And, yeah, so I think the expectations were high, and a lot of Longhorn fans right now are being, you know, they're, they're, it's, it, it's, it's sober. It's sobering to see, like, oh, we actually are still an average football team on our best day. Even with the defense being as good as it is and Deshaun Elliott. And like we said, you had the defensive player of the year in the Big 12. You had the defensive lineman of the year in the Big 12. You had a unanimous All-American in your secondary. And you basically only won how many games in the Big 12? Four or five? Five? Five, five games in the Big 12. Holy God. Damn, you basically had the best players in the Big 12 on defense. Mm-hmm. And you had the special teams player of the year. So in three phases of the game, two of them, you had the best players on the field in two phases of the game, essentially. And you basically lost games because your offense was inept and your kicker was bad. Yeah, you had the unicorn of the Big 12 at defense. I don't like, know that if, doesn't even exist normally. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't remember Texas <laughs> ever having that many guys on defense and on special teams win. Those type of awards in the Big Twelve, like oh, back yeah. to oh nine, like with Lawrence and Tuck, yeah, yeah, yeah no, they wouldn't, they didn't yeah, even win that. Maybe oh eight, yeah, did. yeah, yeah. I don't even know if they won defensive player of the year, defensive lineman of the year. Arakpo was, a yeah, oh, oh, guy, oh eight, yeah. oh nine, maybe, big, yeah, big but that's about it. exactly a decade, yeah. So that's why my expectations were high. We are, I said, I had to met, I had to met uh, eight wins, I think, eight mm-hmm. or nine wins. I said I eight and four would have been a good year. Yeah, and it would have been a good been. year. And it could have been if you'd have won those games. So you didn't have your team prepared, number one. So you started off the season because you were ill-prepared and you got outcoached and you ended the season because your team wasn't prepared and they were outcoached. So your team doesn't handle success well because when everybody was getting new locker rooms and everybody was telling you how great you guys were going to be this season, your team went out there and they, you know, they urinated themselves. And then when they got uh, bowl and eligible. And then when they got bowl eligible and everybody was celebrating and hoisting people up on shoulders and all that crap, we you no went out there to Texas Tech, a team you were better than, and at home, again, you got beat. And so your team doesn't have success very well. Adversity you actually handle pretty well. Yeah. But success you don't. And at Texas, hopefully you're going to have a lot of success. Yeah, and um, at least on, when you're, you're trying to Cowboys. build your way up. That is, that's a good point. I didn't think about that, though, but that they actually somehow have been good at adversity. So they now you put yourself in an adverse situation for the next yeah. year, so hopefully they continue to build upon that. They've been good when they're like down against Oklahoma and USC in the fourth quarter and getting the overtime with teams. Yep. Adversity they respond really well to, and I like that. But, man, when your team is like successful and they're doing really well and they're trending up, you guys are just waiting for the the meltdown. With, what Longhorn fans are waiting for the meltdown. We need to go back to our old ways of being the front runner, soft Longhorns that just win and try to win. Right, we win ten games a year, <laughs> man. But we we lose the big the game. Matt every Brown yeah. system. Yeah, All right, I'll take that one. Yeah. yeah, do that. Lose to Oklahoma. That's fine with me. <laughs> for real. All right, guys. What do you say we pick some bowl games? Let's do it. All right. I like this. It's All right. Full circle. So I got, I picked ten bowl games. Plus we're gonna do Texas separate from that and the two college football playoffs. All right, you guys ready? Yes, sir. Okay. We're starting with the game that's going to take place on Wednesday, tomorrow as we record Ah. this. The Frisco Bowl, SMU versus Louisiana Tech. This is Sonny Dykes' first game. Sonny Dykes. Taking on his former program, Louisiana Tech. Isn't Louisiana Tech a new coach, too? Last Lafayette, wasn't Lafayette. I'll take Um, SMU. I'll take take Sonny Dykes because Chad Morris, I think, 
Uh, the cake is baked already, so just put the frosting on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know what? I uh, he's to make up I already know the strategy. This. He's got to make up there. Oh gosh. Yeah. We're gonna take all. I'm 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 gonna go with Louisiana Tech. La Tech. How did I'm I gonna, know? That? I'm gonna go with La Tech because I just think a new SMU coach. I know the players wanted Jeff Trailer. Jeff Trailer's not there anymore. So yeah, that's, that's they're true. going from. Highland Park area to Frisco for your bowl destination. It's not exactly something fired That's up. That's a good point. So At least they're home. I'm going to go with Louisiana Tech. Uh, the Hawaii Bowl going to take place on Christmas Eve. Fresno State and U of H. I know. Ooh. This is actually a tough one, man. Yeah. This Give me U of H. Oh. I think I'm taking Fresno State. Rod, you're going with Fresno. Yeah. Matt, you're going U of H. The West Coast. I'm going with Fresno State. Yeah, uh, mm. and in the standings, Rod's one game behind me. Jeff is six behind me. I'm 39 and 22. Rod's 38 and 23. Jeff's 33 and 28. You know 28. what? I'm going U of H because I think they found something with Derek King, a quarterback, and I think they're playing really well. So I'm going to go with U of H. Okay, nice. I'm going to go with U of H. All right, uh, the Zaxby's Heart of Dallas Bowl. Chicken Zaxby's. Rod, Rod, knows, Rod knows about the good chicken yeah. places. Utah versus West Virginia. This is another one that it's weird. I'm going with Utah because West Virginia doesn't have that quarterback, Will Gray, still not there. I'm going with Utah. David Seals, their their receiver that led the nation in touchdowns, is coming back for a senior year. That's good news. And Will Gray also coming back for a senior year. You know what? I think I'm going to go with Utah, too. I saw Utah a couple times on TV. I'm going to go with Utah. That's solid. Here's another one that two teams that kind of finished one kind of finished on an uptick one that was just all over the place this year the Cactus Bowl Kansas State UCLA mm. oh Josh Dang. Rosen last game is, right? jo- is Josh Rosen playing in the bowl game oh it's I a don't good even point. know I don't even know if he's announced UCLA is a two point under I don't think he's announced officially I think he will play in the bowl game I'm, I'm gonna go with UCLA on this one. Where's the Cactus Bowl again? That is in Phoenix. Oh, yeah, I'm going with UCLA. Yeah, and this one, even though K-State opened as a three-point favorite, they're a two-point favorite, but 80% of the public's on that, so you go against the public mm-hmm. if you're ever gambling, and I'm going to go with UCLA. I'm going with UCLA. I've seen UCLA play. I've seen them play a couple take times. The dog. Like we take the dog. I have two. I'm taking K-State, man. I like the way they played towards the end of the year. Yeah, Every time. Snyder is a Snyder football team, and he's coming they back. They should have beaten Oklahoma State. They no did kids beat. wiling out on the bowl trip. Snyder's going to make sure they're in bed check. <laughs> that's a great point. <laughs> I agree. That's a great point, actually. Tempe, no, that's a party place. It's like, like, I'm going to go with the infusion. It's per a, capita but, blonde and Josh Rosen versus Snyder. They don't know who's – because nobody knows who's co- – I don't know who's coaching UCLA because I know Chip Kelly's coming in, but I don't think he's coaching the bowl game. No. So that's always tough to prepare for. You right. don't know who the hell, what kind of scheme and game plan that opponent has because it's some random coach. who's probably never ever been a <laughs> head coach Snyder, or coordinator. Except always place. known well, Snyder, you always know what you're going to get. So I'm going to go with UCLA, the wild card. All right. One of my favorite bowl games every year because it's usually so damn entertaining. How about the Holiday Bowl this year? It's oh, going to yeah. be Washington State, Michigan State. I just Washington saw Leach State. signed an extension. I'm yeah, going with Crazy Man Leach. I'm going with Washington State. Yeah. Yes. And the public's on Michigan State. So that's going to be unanimous for us because I like Washington State in that yeah, game, too. Yeah. I like what I saw from them a few the times pirate. this year. All right. All right. December 29th, the Belk Bowl. Wake Forest versus Texas A&M. I'll take the Deacons. I'll take the Aggies. Matt, you're going Wake. Yeah. Rod, you're going Aggie. I'll go Aggie. Oh, sorry about that. Hmm. Who's playing quarterback for AM in this one? That's I think I guess it's gonna be Nick Starkle. I think it's Nick Starkle. Um Wake Forest defensively it sounds really like a good though. Game. You know what? I'm gonna go AM. I'm gonna go AM because I think Jimbo Fisher's been around. Jimbo Fisher played Wake Forest this year, so I'm sure he's passing some things passing on to Jeff Banks. On, yeah. The interim coach. I'm gonna go with yeah, he with, needs that bowl with win. Texas AM. My goal in this is just to not finish last. I just don't want to finish last in the bowl pickup. That's a good life goal. Yes. Uh We'll go uh, – I think this is on the same day, so we'll go with this one. The Cotton Bowl, Ohio State, USC. Oh, Ohio, Ohio State. State. <laughs> yeah, that was easy. I've seen USC. And Texas almost played with you. Give me Ohio State. Um, I struggle with this one because I think uh, – yeah, 
I think I'm well, going with Ohio State. Well, yeah, Matt, Matt, how many games am I different than you? You guys? are six games behind me and five mm. games behind Rod, and so far we are different on one, two, three games thus far. Three games with yeah. a few left. Just don't take. USC. You know what? I'm gonna take USC. Yeah. Yep. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna try to make up a game somewhere. Hey, I, I feel you, brother. Makes sense there. If like we were adamant on Ohio State immediately, you've thought about this. So if yeah, there's yeah. a time to take that side, that's your time. Citrus Bowl, Notre Dame, LSU. Ooh, this is a re. They played each other a couple years ago. That in the music Sidney debut. Notre Dame. Ah, go LSU. Rod going Notre Dame. Yeah. Matt going LSU. You know, there's some teams that I know. You know, I've talked to some of my friends that will not bet on Texas if they're out of parlay. They will not pick Texas. I said Texas just just too weird. Yeah. Going so against the line. Yeah. Um, Notre. If I was a gambling person, Notre Dame was one of those teams for me because I never pick. Notre Dame right. When I think they're going to be good, I think they're going to do something good, they let me down. When I pick against them, that's when they finally decide to come up and win. Uh, but for the sake of this exercise, I think I'm going to go hmm, – that's tough. You know what? I think I'm going to go against Notre Dame and yes. go with LSU. I like it. So I'm going to go with LSU. Say you never pick even though going with it, you know, now nah, you know what? Scratch that, Matt. Get me down for nah. Notre Dame. Get me down for Notre Dame. Yeah. I can't. I can't. I trust Notre Dame more than I trust Ed Orgeron right now. I trust Ed Orgeron. Have you ever heard that man speak? <laughs> All right. The He's li- never told a lie. December thirtieth, the Liberty Bowl, Iowa State versus Memphis. Oh, this is disgusting. Oh, uh, I don't even. Memphis. I guess yeah. Memphis. I'll go with Memphis. Memphis offense is pretty good, actually. They lost the offense coordinator, but it's still pretty good. But. I like Iowa State's defense. I like sure. I don't think this is a home game for Memphis. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Iowa State. Nice. Go right. stick with the Big Twelve. And then our last one before we get to the Big Three, uh, we've got the Foster Farms Bowl, chicken. Arizona versus Purdue. Yes, Rod, another Arizona. bowl game that involves Farms chicken. Bowl. Arizona. Rod going Arizona. Arizona. Who are they playing? Purdue. Purdue. I'm going Purdue. The Boilermakers. I never uh, picked the Boilermakers. Man, I'll take uh, Arizona. Okay. And who'd you take, Jeff? I took Purdue. Okay, and so did you? I'm I either going to look I like a donut. I'm either going to look like a genius or a moron once this is over. Purdue <laughs> taking a Big Ten team. That's every day on my show is basically the toss-up for me. Yes. <laughs> All right, college football playoff semifinals, guys. we got to do this Ooh, quick. Wee. Rose Bowl, Oklahoma, Georgia. I've Oklahoma. Forth, Baker, give me Baker. Oklahoma. I've gone back and forth. I'll take Oklahoma too, man. Yep. So put me down. Put all three of us down. Oh, Oklahoma moving the dog. On. I like taking the dog, though. Sugar Bowl, Alabama, Clemson. Give me revenge. Bama. Give me Bama. You know Save it. Give me Clemson. I'll wow. take Clemson. Mm. Right. There you go. Right. I'll, take, the I'll take Clemson OU in a rematch from that uh, Orange Bowl two years ago to be your college football playoff. Oh, like all that. right, guys. Our last pick of the year, our last pick of bowl season, the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl. Texas and Missouri, who you got? Matt, start with you. Uh, I got Missouri. I think it's going to be a close game, but I just I don't see Texas beating Missouri. I got Missouri 20. No, I got I got 31 to 27 Missouri. Rod, that score sounds, and now that we know Josh Rowland can kick some field goals, now I'm not afraid to predict a score that involves yeah. field goals. Um I just don't, man. Texas has to show me. They got to show me that there. Here's a blueprint to win. Are you going to follow it? Yep. Are you going to run the ball and be patient and do some things on offense? So I'll take Missouri with the hope that the Longhorns prove me wrong and they follow this blueprint and they're in the fourth quarter in a low-scoring game where Missouri hadn't run a lot of plays for the chance to win. I like that, gentlemen. It's been a good year, a fun year, a year, year where we thought we were breaking up, but we got back together. They got yes. the band back together. It's like a uh, relationship. <laughs> we will. Uh, we're going to go into 2018 ready to rock and roll. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B, appreciate the time and the anytime, knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for Travis, the best damn videographer in the podcast game. For everybody at the Austin Radio Network and 104.9 The Horn, hornfm.com, and the Horn app. You can't get us on the Horn, but you can get us at the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page, which, Matt, if you get there, you can also get us on iTunes, TuneIn, and any podcast app. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horns family, for the Horn Twins, Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. We will see you in 2018, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.